You're listening to The Morning Muster, where we get sailors together to talk about the most important topics of the day. Today's topic is solo sailing, so grab a cup of hot chai. Or a coffee. I'm Teresa Carey. And I'm Ben Carey. This podcast is produced by Morse Alpha. We offer rigorous coastal and offshore sail training expeditions. Check out morsealpha.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Scanmar International. Scanmar designs and manufactures high-quality cruising products for both power and sailing vessels. Scanmar is probably best known for the monitor wind vane. Between Ben and I, we've had three monitor wind vanes, one on each of our boats. And especially when you're sailing solo or on long passages, it's like having an extra crew aboard. We made a video about how it works. It's called Monitor Wind Vane Explainer on our YouTube channel, Sailing Simplicity. And for even more information, check out scanmarinternational.com. Ben and I met each other because of our desire to go solo sailing. We could have decided to get one boat together, it certainly would have been more cost effective, but we were both driven to really have that solo experience. The long days of solitude, the self-reliance. Yeah, solo sailing is very different from any other sailing I've done with large crews or even the double-handed sailing I've done where you're standing watch alone. I had the opportunity to talk with two other solo sailors to see if they felt the same way we do. I talked with James Tomlinson, who you'll hear from first. He's done a lot of solo sailing around Europe. I also talked with Richard Gordon-Reed, who had just finished a solo passage to Hawaii. Awesome. Let's get to it. All right. Maybe we could start um, by saying, where are you sailing? What what has been your solo experience? Years and years ago, I listened to people saying, oh, I can't go sailing this weekend because Harry's not available or my wife doesn't want to go out and it's more than a force three this weekend and she doesn't want to go out and all sorts of things. And I started, I found myself going out on my own and for a social animal, which I am, I I like people and I like getting into port and talking to other sailors and listening to their experiences and looking at their boats and, and sharing experiences. But I found Having started to sail on my own, I ended up preferring to be on my own. I've always found sailing alone that there's been more fulfillment, if you like. It's a bigger experience on your own. There's nobody else to take something away from you, if you like. Where did you sail by yourself? I started uh, in a rather tricky area, really. I I sort of cut my teeth in the Thames estuary. And uh, the Thames estuary is a, a rather large expanse of water. Well, not a large expanse of water for you, but... It's between North Foreland on the Kent coast and, say, Lowestoft on the east coast, the most easterly part of Britain. You've got this extraordinary area of um, of shallow uh, of, of shallow water uh, with lots of uh, swatchways and spitways and incredibly demanding um, pilotage. And so I cut my teeth really sailing in the Thames estuary. Um, weirdly. Um, Robin Knox Johnson was asked, "What's the most serious? What's the worst place you've sailed?" And he said, "And he said, well, the most demanding was uh, in bad weather in the Thames Estuary." And Richard, uh, you just landed in Hawaii. Yeah, I did, and it's it's interesting, James. You say that um, for you, solo sailing happened by accident because for me, it was um, it was completely the opposite. It happened on purpose for me. I when I was twelve, my family went on a big sailing trip down to Mexico from Alaska. And on that trip, I read Dove by Robin Lee Graham. He was a solo sailor who 
sailed around the world when he was 16. After I read that, I just, I decided that I wanted to do exactly that. So um, as soon as I got back home, I started saving money. I bought a boat four years ago, my freshman year in high school. And then I, um, I learned to sail, sail that boat. I mean, I knew how to sail, but I, I started sailing around South Central Alaska, which again was a good place to, as you said, white your teeth for sailing. There's lots of narrow canals and currents. No shoals, but um, lots of currents to deal with and headlands and some pretty nasty weather sometimes. And then this year in August, I took off from Alaska heading south. And then um, I was planning on actually sailing to French Polynesia and through to New Zealand. But when I was a thousand miles at sea, um, I got word that the whole world had shut down. because of corona so I um I changed course and now I'm in Hawaii kind of waiting things out see what happens um Richard was was sailing on your own everything you wanted it to be you were inspired by reading a book but it was it everything you expected it to be um you're um sailing alone yes and no um in some ways it was more so especially crossing the ocean um being alone completely at sea for 25 days was an incredible experience for me personally. But at the same time, yeah, a lot of it, I was lonely for a lot of it too, which I didn't really expect. I've always been kind of a loner and um, really comfortable on my own. But um, on this trip, I really started to feel loneliness. And um, yeah, there were a lot of times I wished I had crew. How interesting, really, because you see the thing, I've never been lonely on my boat. Um, I've been more lonely on dry land than I've ever been on my boat. I always feel I've, I've got my boat. There's a boat and me. And I'm not sure that I ever felt lonely either. I think it's just, except for there was a winter where I spent a winter on my boat and I didn't go anywhere. And I had this dark cover over the entire boat. And that felt like a cave, not a boat. It could get pretty lonely. But I think when I was sailing, it was more like there's so much motion and so much things to capture my mind that it just kept my mind occupied and um I I never did 28 days or by myself not that long not without making landfall somewhere um but and I also technically wasn't alone I had a cat (laughs) so (laughs) so he was a lot of fun um but I, I think um, I think about how you guys both started one with with intentions to be alone. And then, James, you just did it alone because you didn't always have someone to sail with. And uh, for me, it was a little bit of both. I I never dreamed of solo sailing like this is not something I want to do. I never thought about it that way. But it was more like, OK, now's the time to buy a boat and live on it. That's what I'd like to do next in life. And there was no one to do it with. And so. I started looking for a boat and then mentally I like built momentum around living on this boat that I wanted, the North Sea 27. That's the boat I wanted. Um, I built momentum around doing that on my own. And then I met Ben, who's now my husband. He was selling his North Sea 27 and I didn't buy his, I bought someone else's, but um, I met him and he wanted to buy Bristol Channel Cutter and sail solo. And when we met and started dating, everybody was like, Oh, you should just, buy one boat and sail together. You guys both love sailing. It's the perfect relationship. And it would have been, it would have been great, but we both had momentum in our hearts for sailing solo. And we were both like, no, we're going to buy two separate boats. 
we're going to sail solo, even though a lot of times we were within sight of each other, or we'd anchor in the same place, or, you know, there was a lot of that happening, but there was also a lot of solitude. So it never started out like, this is what I want to do. But once I was on that path, I wanted to, to keep going. And I had a lot of, I personally met a lot of resistance. A lot of people told me I needed somebody with me to, to help, to do things. How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? And, and I was like, well, I'll figure it out just like anybody would. But um, I had a lot of people kind of hinting that I wouldn't be successful. So it kind of drove me to want to do it even more. Was that family, but parental? Uh, um... Um, no, it's just people in general. And I, and I feel like maybe you guys don't experience it as much because you're men. But I think a lot of it was because I was young and small and a girl and just everything. Nothing about me seems rugged. I would say that is utter nonsense to say that a girl can't do it. No, it is utter nonsense. I've got it. women have. Utter <laughs> nonsense. The, the single-handing thing for me, it is just a different discipline. It doesn't mean say you're terribly clever. I think you've got to know your boat back to front. Uh, I think you really got to have an intimate knowledge of your boat. You've got to be terribly comfortable in yourself. James, you were telling that to me the last yeah. time we were talking. You were talking about how that's like the key thing, the key difference between sailing uh, with a crew and sailing solo. It's not needing more sailing know-how, but it's a really a big step to be by yourself. Well, yeah, it, it's, and... it's, it's, I think it's a big step. You see, I crossed the Atlantic with three people last uh, last February, last March, um, from, uh, and I vowed never, ever to be part of a crew on a trip like that again. I was with three people who I really liked. I think they liked me. I was with my best friend, uh, one of my best friends, who's a terrific sailor. And thankfully, James was there. But I was with a very experienced Australian uh, couple who are completing their circumnavigation at the moment. But I really, really did not enjoy it. All I could think of when I was crossing this uh, you know, ocean was... God, I wish I was on my own on my boat. And I vowed then, that's it. You know, I, I, I'm nearly 64, but I'm never, ever going to. I, I've done quite a lot of professional work where I've had to work with a crew, and that's a professional job. But I will never, ever volunteer to do a, uh, to, to go with anybody else. Yeah. I, am comp I am an absolute single-hander. I'm much, much more comfortable sailing alone. Yeah, I, and I think, I think I need to clarify something. Um, when I said I was lonely... Um, as you said, I've, I've never been lonely when I'm sailing, even that whole 25 day passage. I was never lonely. It's when I'm near shore that I sometimes feel lonely when I'm on the boat or in ports and harbors. I've felt lonely on land, but I don't feel lonely yeah. at sea with my boat. Isn't that interesting? Like we all, now we're all echoing the same sentiment that out at sea alone is different from being alone near shore and i i often think about why that is and i think that when you're near land there's an expectation to connect with people and if it's not happening then you feel that that void more real and um, there's no expectation to have any sort of connection with anybody when you're out at sea you know it's not going to happen my boat talks to me i mean I, the boat talks to me 24 <laughs> 7. i mean the most important thing for the single hander is you've got to look after yourself so you've got to manage yourself so you can look after your ship your ship won't let a, a good, well-found yacht will not let the crew down. It's normally the crew that let the ship down. And so managing oh, I... oneself is crucial, absolutely crucial. Avoiding injury, 
looking after oneself so you can manage the boat. And a little trick that I was taught yeah. by, uh, I've stood on the shoulders of many people to learn what I've learned, as we all do. And um, a lovely friend of mine said, just imagine yourself 10 years older. Just pretend you're 10 years older and move around the boat as though you're 10 years older. And for you, Richard, I'd say, move around the boat as though you're 40 years older. The funny thing is... Um... When I'm moving around my boat, when I'm at sea, the, what's constantly going through my mind are the lessons that my parents taught me when I was 10 years old on a boat. Not the things that I've learned after that, but when I was 10 years old, what the things that my parents drilled into my head, like always stay clipped on, always one hand for the boat, even just simple things like only going on deck on the windward side, just drilling into my head those things. Has there been any surprises? Things that you didn't expect when you set out by yourself? Um, I didn't expect to be lonely at all, but other than that, not many. Funny enough, here in Hawaii, and because of the coronavirus and the isolation, I haven't felt lonely at all because there has been quite a decent little community of cruisers who were diverted to Hawaii and um, who are all, all arrived within a couple of days of each other. And we've been able to actually form little communities and we meet up on our dinghies, you know, 12 feet apart and have little happy hours. And, and that's the thing that I love about sailing. And that's the thing that even solo sailing is amazing is that you meet so many, so many people and so many amazing sailors. And it's always the quiet ones you want to talk to, isn't it? The ones who don't say very much. You, you sort of tend to avoid the people who've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is is when i meet up with sailors at an anchorage the last thing i want to talk about is sailing and that's pretty much what everybody wants to talk about because that's what we all have in common oh that's funny i love talking about sailing <laughs> yeah i love talking about sailing but it's getting people to talk as well you know you it's like the people who have done the most seem to say the say the least you know and you i i when i started to sail a bit further so i started to meet more heavy duty boats um and I sailed north first before I went. Uh, I sailed up into higher latitudes. And by the time I got into, you know, uh, above Scotland onto the islands and Norway, and uh, there's a, I started to meet heavy duty cruising folk for the first mm -hmm. time who'd sailed a long way. And um, it was a very interesting experience to start to meet these people. So what would you guys say is the biggest reward that you get from solo sailing as opposed to sailing with other people i think it's the time and the mental space that you get um sailing solo like just being able to be on the boat all day and you can i can dive into a book and read for 20 hours in a day i don't think you can do that if you're sailing with other people you can do you can do you can make a cup of tea when you want a cup of tea you can eat when you want to eat you can do everything when you want to do it you don't have to fit in with anybody else um but actually i think i'm better at it on my own than i am with a i think i'm a liability when i'm with a crew i think i'm a better sailor on my own i also find that when there's not a lot of noise and i mean noise like people conversations chit chat um gotta go do this gotta check that i don't know all these different things that um you get busy with in life on land or um, with other people I think when you remove all that noise there's like just an opportunity to be quiet and from that 
I, it sounds so cliche, but really just to go deeper in your own mind and discover things about yourself and your own thoughts and think new things. And it kind of accelerate a little bit of self-discovery. Yeah, and I think I agree completely with that. That for me is a huge part of solo sailing, especially getting offshore where you have days or even weeks to dive into that into that um, mental space. And Richard, you're doing it at such a time in your life where there is a huge growth curve, you know, coming you're at a coming of age moment in your life and you're choosing to do this grand adventure. I don't think I could have ever done it at that age. I wouldn't have ever thought of it as, a, as an option. And so when you started thinking about this and planning this and buying your boat and you had your boat for several years before, did you ever have any doubts or did you ever... Um, your path and in, in how you thought about this, did it ever change? Maybe I should do this instead or do it this way. Oh, well, I mean, if you look, if you look at my Google maps and like my Navionics charts for the years in between I bought my boat and the years I left, basically it's a solid spider web of lines of alternate routes and places I wanted to go and think. And, um, so I really... I had, I had hundreds of different ideas of where, of where I wanted to go and, um, what I wanted to do. And every, every week, pretty much the plan changed, you know, it's first, it's around the world, then it's just across the Pacific, then it's to South America, and then it's New Zealand or Japan. So, um, but, but that's kind of how I, um, how I planned. And I just decided, um, that I'm just going to go and, um, basically not have a plan and just play it day by day. And if I have any doubts, I can always stop or change my plan or um, I didn't have any obligations. So I can always get a crew if I decide that I need that. Um, yeah, so I, I never really had any doubts because I never had a specific plan or goal. Um, but I, I actually want to talk about solo sailing like, um, you know, there's passage making. And then you yep. have to think about sleeping and, and staying on watch and how you're going to have that balance because you have to sleep and yet you also have to stay and watch. And so there's trying to figure out a balance there. And then there's solo sailing coastal. Like people can go solo sailing out for a day and anchor somewhere and spend the night and then sail back home. And that still requires a lot of different, unique sailing skills because you're by yourself. And And I would argue that sailing and navigating near shore is harder than navigating offshore because there's more things to hit and there's more boats and then also like managing things like docking or anchoring or all the stuff that you do near shore the hardest thing for me is coastal sailing if there's traffic and land then there is no rest and so i mean i i've, I've got a limit of sort of 24 to 30 hours where i can be uh, where, where I know after that time it will become dangerous when you you cannot rest or sleep or not be on watch when you're close to land and traffic. So you've got to know that you've got somewhere to go and that you're going to be able to stop and drop anchor. Yeah. Uh, and so that is a very, very knowing your limit for that, um, you know, and when you go out into the ocean, you've got well, you've got to get away from land and traffic and ship, shipping lanes and all that before you can rest. And you've got to know how long 
you know how long you can you've got to know what you can do what you are capable of and not are you meaning how many hours you're capable of staying alert uh, but this is coastal sailing and and and, and right. you know mike's land land and traffic so it, it's uh yes i completely agree and uh it's much much harder so uh, yeah. coastal sailing where the hardest thing for me after a long trip I did on my own was sailing back up the channel the English Channel um I, you know I suddenly had land I had uh, traffic I had uh, and it was I thought my god this is you know it's such hard work um each little passage I'm, I'm doing I didn't do it in one because there's too much traffic but I had about four or five stops for the night but it was you know long long days of concentration it was fine but it was nothing like being off the continental shelf and um seeing you know yeah. a ship once every three or four days um and knowing your your little cork in very very deep water um so yeah it's yeah, uh, yeah. i completely agree with you um uh, richard do you feel the same way yeah i feel exactly the same way that yeah coastal sailing is by far the hardest and i think Probably the hardest passage possible to do is a 300-mile coastal passage is harder than any offshore passage because because you have to basically stay awake for the entire time. And when I'm offshore, I go to sleep, and I only wake up when I have to, when the boat tells me I need to wake up, when I have to change a sail or alter course, which ends up being every couple hours or so, usually. But... You know, when it, when you're coastal, you either can't sleep or I'm on a 10-minute timer. And the the scariest situation I've been in in my life so far was um, was when I was doing... I tried to do a 500-mile passage and I ended up being 400 because I, after three days of doing a 10-minute timer, I was so exhausted that I fell asleep and woke up in the middle of a um, fleet of fishing boats and I fell asleep for about an hour and woke up in the middle of a fleet of fishing boats and I was so exhausted by that time that I decided I needed to, this is off the coast of California, that I needed to um, uh, tuck into somewhere, to a safe harbor right now. How far offshore were you? I was between 50 and 100 miles offshore. Oh, that should be all right. Yeah, well, the problem with there is there's um, big trawlers and um, lots of commercial freight traffic. You have to be at least 150 miles offshore to get past that. And I didn't want to spend a day and a half sailing out and then a day and a half sailing back in. What would you guys say to someone who wants to try solo sailing, but they've never done it before and they're scared, you know, they're not, they don't trust their confidence or they're not confident in their skills. And so how do you really practice that like how do you build the skill so that you can go solo what would you say i would say practice on a small boat all the time every day and then work your way up to a bigger boat and longer passages there's no substitute for for doing the knowledge what i call doing the knowledge is going in and out of harbors going in and out of harbors crossing river bars uh uh up and down the coast doing little short passages takeoffs and landings i call them loads of takeoffs and landings in a small boat that you can shove around um and just find out if you're comfortable doing it 
Um, I would say to most people, say, oh, God, I'd really love to sail on my own. You say, why? Why don't you try sailing with us? If, 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 if somebody has done a lot of sailing with other people, wants to sail on their own, that's a different thing, I think. Um, there's a lot of people who are inspired for the wrong reasons to do it to sail you know to sail on their own i really like that that both of you guys said um to practice start with smaller boats but do it alone because a lot of times people say oh, i've been practicing with so-and-so or i do it all i do all the work by myself they're just there on the boat with me and i really feel like there's a huge mental leap to go from running the boat all on your own but with someone aboard to actually getting on board a boat by yourself and sailing it. I think it's a huge mental leap and that's the biggest challenge of it. If something were to go wrong and you're running the boat by yourself, a prudent sailor would call on that other person who's just along for the ride to help them. And that would be the smart, safe thing to do. But if you're out there solo, what you're going to call on is these extra reserves of talent and strength that you have that you probably not really tapped into before. I, I would agree with you guys that the best way to practice for it is to practice alone but start with something manageable Teresa, i think the thing is that if, i think if if you're going to be surprised by something out there you probably shouldn't be out there i think you've you've got to build up slowly in such a way that you you're staying within your comfort zone so, but james aren't we always surprised out there i mean it's so dynamic it's... if you don't manage the boat properly and do things at the appropriate time and be ahead of the game then you're going to get caught out. And I agree. And I, th I think, yeah, that that learning on like when I said a small boat, I meant I really meant like a dinghy boat for getting comfortable sailing by yourself. Definitely. I think it's important if you're if you don't have a lot of experience when you're transitioning to a bigger boat, like something that you can live aboard or do passages on. It is good to have somebody who is experienced on board with you. Um, for instance, when I I bought my boat when I was 15 in Seattle and then I sailed it up to Alaska but I did that with my parents on board one of them was always on board for that trip except for about so I, I do miles. want to talk about that for next I was curious to know what you guys have for safety standards or rules aboard your boat that you maintain because I think the rules change a little bit when you're by yourself so are there any hard and fast rules any flexible rules or standards that you have you've got to get enough sleep if you get ex exhaustion will kill you um so managing yourself it's all about managing yourself if you manage yourself then you can manage the boat if you don't manage yourself then the ship is disabled and then you're in trouble yeah i agree with that but then and and i like i said i learned that the hard way i learned that lesson very much the hard way i also have a set of rules on my boat when i'm solo that definitely apply only for solo sailing and not for sailing with crews, which is never ever leave the cabin of the sailboat without being tethered onto the boat in some way. Always the simplest, oldest rule of sailing is one hand for the boat, one hand for yourself. A lesson I basically learned um, also backcountry skiing a lot in avalanche trains, just minimize your exposure as much as possible. Just stay in the cockpit or in the cabin as much as possible try not to go on deck unless you absolutely have to because the worst case the worst thing that could ever happen to a solo sailor would be to fall overboard or to be injured by a boom 
or a sale or something. For me, minimizing the exposure to that kind of risk is num is the absolute number one rule. Richard, it's terribly easy. The the, the discipline, I, I, which I've talked about quite a lot before, the, the discipline of, of uh, clipping on and also not having your tether too long. I mean, if your tether's too long and you go over the side and you can't get back on and you're dragged, then that's as bad as not wearing something. I mean, you just die being attached to the boat rather than so not having it too long either. But on a, you know, you can be, it's so easy to forget that, you know, you're on a, it's very light airs, a flat sea and you're, and you've got to do a, a, you've got to go to the mast or something. And it's terribly easy not to clip on just because the water's flat. You've got to, got to be disciplined about all your rules. You, you make rules, you stick to them. And I, what annoys me at the beginning of each season you know, you see in the yachty magazines, practice your MOB, practice your MOB. And I'm going, practice your MOB. And you see a, a, a calm bay and somebody falling in the water. And they've got all these wonderful uh, tricks for getting somebody back on board. Well, a force seven going down wind at night uh, uh, and somebody goes over the side. It, it's, uh, it's, a it's a different matter completely. All I would say is stay on board. Practice staying on board, whether you're on your own well, we're in a crew. Stay on board. It's funny that you say that and you give the example of the Force 7 downwind sail because it immediately made me remember a trip that I was on with a fully crewed boat. It was a larger boat, a schooner, and I don't know, there might have been 10 of us on board, but the captain, we were go there was a huge storm and the captain got us all together and he said, um, when you're not working, stay below. And if you are working, clip in because if you fall overboard, we are not coming back for you. But it's a good lesson. And, you know, it's good to hear that we're not coming back for you or we can't. Or I mean, I've tried to find things in the sea and I can't find things in, on relatively flat water. Practice staying on board. It's it's uh... and Richard, you're absolutely right. You, you sound um, a little bit like me. And I have to be disciplined in the way I look after myself. When I'm offshore, I don't wear a life vest, but I wear my sailing harness and I never take it off. I did. I was at sea for 25 days and my sailing harness did not leave my body for one minute during that entire 25 day passage. With a crutch strap as well. No, mine doesn't. Um, I need, I need to get a better one, I think. Yeah. Can I ask you, um, uh, with your, your, both of you routines offshore for, um, sleep and eating and looking after yourself? Yeah. Well, it's different now because I'm, sailing with my husband we do passages together the two of us two of us but most of the other sailing that we do is now with our sail training expeditions and yeah. so we have five students aboard and so um a lot of our routines that we've established are based on what we've what we've learned working on commercial boats that's really most of my i mean i sailed as, as a kid with my family and then i started working as a sailor when i was 18 so we learn a lot of safety checks and routines. And so I would say the rule, and also since I've solo sailed, like the rules I've had for myself have evolved. I'd say the more I learn about sailing, the more strict I am with these safety checks and wearing the life jacket and all of that. But also for safety standards, we uh, do a routine boat check. We have a checklist below decks and above decks that we go around and check all these different things. And then we have a routine engine check. And so all the the most essential systems and things are getting checked on the boat. And I mean, even something as simple as are the are the hatches closed and dogged down, that's on the boat checklist. Would you guys um, recommend solo sailing? 
to someone now that you've had this experience? Would you say, yes, it's amazing, go do it? Um, I would if you have the experience and if you if you're comfortable with it. I don't I don't know if if it's something that you should jump straight into. Some parts of solo sailing are definitely amazing and incredible and there's nothing like it in the world. It requires a certain type of person to be able to deal with it mentally and you do need experience, uh, quite a bit of boating experience. For somebody as young as I am, I would say I've been very very fortunate in my in my young life to have so much experience that allowed me to do this, but if I didn't have that experience, I don't think it would have been a wise decision for to go sailing solo as extensively as I have. Richard, you said something about that solo sailing has some amazing things about it that cannot compare when you're sailing with a crew. Can you elaborate on that and tell me maybe an example of what you're talking about? I'm not sure if I can even put it into words, really. For me, it's just the feeling of being out there alone and yeah, being in control of your boat, of your own boat, and um, of your own path, it's 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 very hard to put into words. But it's definitely a feeling that I've never felt when I'm sailing with a crew. But but it's almost always there when sailing solo. The the highs are so much higher. Um, I can't say I've had any great lows, but uh, the highs are much higher on my own. There's a much greater appreciation for things I see and. Uh, the the one thing with solo sailing is that often when I see something so amazing, I wish I could share it with somebody. I do agree that some the highs are quite higher, especially the the sense of achievement is unparalleled when you've made landfall um, by yourself. That achievement of I did this by myself, that feeling is um, I've never felt anything like that. Did you have you ever felt yet, Richard? Have you ever felt you didn't want land to? Um... Once you've got into it, you didn't want land to arrive. Oh, every time, every time I've gone sailing over a week <laughs> at sea, every time. You haven't wanted to land. Yeah. So it's like the longer the you're out there, then the less, the longer trips is when you don't want land to arrive. Is when you want yeah. to just keep going. Yeah, yeah. Crossing the Gulf of Alaska, I I could have sailed for another month, and sailing to Hawaii for a lot of it. The weather was a bit nasty and the waves were nasty and messy and I was wishing I'd arrive. And then I got about 200 miles out and my ETA actually became a real thing that I, I was actually going to arrive in two days. And I realized that, you know, I kind of wish Hawaii was another thousand miles farther on. Yes, after a long trip, I've uh, you know it's becoming near the end. I've always gone, oh God, I could carry on doing this for another month, another six weeks. I, God, I wish I could carry on, you know. Um, yeah. Um. Well, I don't. I think we should wrap up soon. But um, I just want to know. Maybe we'll close with what is the biggest lesson you've learned from solo sailing. I, I go back to the original thing. It's manage yourself. Look after yourself so you can look after the ship. Was there a time when you didn't manage yourself? Yes. I mean, you know, the learning <laughs> learning how to look after oneself as you slowly make your way and start to uh, push the boundaries and go further offshore, being cold offshore, you know, not being uh, correctly dressed and not not eating correctly, not being able to cope with seasickness and your, you know, your 
10 hours from land and all that sort of thing. I vowed never to be cold again. Once I've been cold once, I vowed never to be cold again. It's learning how to look after yourself so you can look after the ship. Because the moment you're disabled, the ship is disabled. And it's simple. You've got to manage yourself. Mm-hmm. For me, because I, was, I started so young, it was really learning how self-sufficient I could be by myself and totally by myself, too. Of course, there are so many sailing lessons. Like, like I said, that story where I woke up in the middle of the fleet of fishing boats, that, was, that taught me um, the importance of getting enough rest and managing yourself that way, but also lessons about how well the boat can handle itself without you as well. Um, I was under bare poles for, for a night off the California coast as well and just letting the boat run by herself. What I would say is that trust the boat because, yeah, you're the weakest link. You might be scared shitless or think you're going to die, but the boat will get through it. Um, you just let the boat do its thing. That's great. Um, I, I think I agree with you. And something that we've been talking about this whole time is that I think solo sailing can teach a person really to be very resilient in sailing and in life. Just be being a resilient person and being able to handle things that a lot of times we think maybe we're not going to be able to handle, but we do. I think you think um, you think through all the different scenarios. Dear old Herb Payson said, uh, that wonderful American sailor, writer, Herb Payson, he said, you've got, to, you've got to be able to improvise. All the planning and everything and all the precautions you've taken, there'll be at some point when you've got to be able to improvise. If you can't think outside the box, then don't go out there. I'm really glad I had this conversation with both of you and got to get to know you a little bit. I think you've had some amazing adventures and Richard, you're still you're in the middle of an amazing adventure right now. And so I'm gonna I'm looking forward to to following along and seeing what happens next. It's lovely to talk to you both. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Me as well. That was great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Safe travels. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to The Morning Muster wherever you get your podcasts or visit morsealpha.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Expeditions. The music is by Tim Erickson, my brother, and you can find him at timericksonmusic.com. Until next time, stay found. <laughs>